The AP Pro Football Podcast is presented by Cairn University. Hey, this is Russell Wilson. This is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti, and welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. We've got some downtime coming up for NFL players. Hopefully they all stay out of trouble, but it won't be any downtime for the league as the Deshaun Watson investigation draws closer to a close. And while more cases have been adding up against Deshaun, I'm told a decision on suspension is expected certainly before training camp. So the Browns will know. And of course, there's going to most likely be an appeals process and it could get drawn out a little bit or he may not appeal. He may accept that suspension. If you go back to Ben Roethlisberger in 2010, when he was handed a six game suspension, he took it without an appeal. Next week, Roger Goodell is going to be busy dealing with more off field issues for the league. He's meeting virtually with the House Committee on Oversight and Reform as a hearing regarding the committee's investigation into the Washington commander's workplace conduct. Now, no surprise, of course, Washington owner Dan Snyder, he told Congress that he's not going to testify as expected. Our guest this week is former Dallas Cowboys two-time Pro Bowl fullback Daryl Moose Johnston. Moose was a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Cowboys in the 90s. He's an analyst at Fox Sports, and he's also the executive vice president of football operations for the USFL. We talked a lot about the USFL as they wrap up their first season, the new USFL, as they wrap up their first season, and a little bit more. Here's my conversation with Daryl Johnston. Daryl, thank you for joining me on the AP Pro Football Podcast. I know you're very busy as the Executive Vice President of Operations for the USFL, so I want to ask you to start off. What have you seen in the quality of play for this first season? I think it's been exactly how you would expect it to be. Like even with the NFL, um, you know, the best football player, uh, best football played is not at the beginning of the season. So we've kind of seen that. And, and we had a very limited training camp and, and it was, it was interesting to watch our coaches kind of navigate, you know, how they were going to approach training camp. Uh, at that time we had 45 man rosters and we're going to be 38 active on game day. So trying to balance um, the install with, the physicality with reduced numbers on the roster, which means increased reps for the guys. Um, it, it was a challenge for them, and they all did a great job. When we came to week one, I, I thought the physicality in week one uh, surpassed what I had expected. Um, and, and since that time, we've seen a progression through the course of the year. I, I really think week five was kind of our turning point. Uh, for whatever reason, that one always really sticks out to me. I, I just thought all four games that weekend were, were very well played. I think quarterbacks kind of finally got into a rhythm. Um, you know, we'd, we'd been in our systems, you know, whether it was offense or defense. And I think there was an understanding, um, you know, by both sides of the football. So, you know, from that point on, I've, I've been very impressed. And, and all season long, whether it was early in the year uh, or, or week nine last week, as, as we're approaching the close of our season, I, I think the games have all been competitive. They've all been close. We've only had a few of them kind of get away from us. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with some of the rules that we've put in place to kind of keep teams in that, along with the parity that I think all eight teams created during the course of our draft. As someone who's been in and around the NFL for so long and played at a high level, when you're seeing these guys 
on a daily basis and on the field week to week, how many do you think have that potential, have the ability to be playing in September, be playing in October in the NFL? I think we've got a bunch of guys who are going to get a chance to get into an NFL camp. And, and that's one of the things that that we promote the USFL as, is a non-traditional route to the NFL. And, and really for these guys, it, it was one of the coaches that shared this with me this year. Because whether it was San Antonio uh, or Dallas and the other two uh, you know, spring professional leagues, you know, my, my whole thing was getting guys back to the NFL. And, you know, one of the coaches said, it's not just our responsible responsibility to get them back. You know, a lot of them have been there. We've got to, we've got to find out why they're not staying there. We've got to help them stay there. What is the reason they're not staying there? And so that was a real shift in my thought process. And, and what we found out is, is sometimes it's not the measurable. It's not the play on the field. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's during that, that Monday to Saturday, you know, Monday to the game, the, the day before game day, how are they handling their business during the course of the preparation week? Um, and just trying to help them as much as we can. there. being a pro, you know, every single day, be on time, practice hard, you know, be accountable, you know, just be a pro everything, everything you're doing down here in Birmingham, make sure, make sure you're doing it at a professional level. You're being evaluated. Everything you do is being evaluated. It's not just your time on the field, you know, you've got eyes on you every day, all day while you're here with us in Birmingham. How do you prepare those guys for those intangibles to obviously, you know what they need to get done and, and you can go through reps on the field. You can go through film study, right, to get them better on the field. But those intangibles that you just talked about that are so important Monday through Saturday, what goes into that preparation? I think the big thing is, you know, we, we're very, we're very confident and, and very grateful for our eight head coaches. Um, they've got great networks. They've put together really good staffs. And, and those are the guys that you have to entrust to really kind of do that work for you. Um, there has been a buy-in on the whole USFL football family um, that, that we've seen on multiple occasions where, yeah, it's important for our team to do well, but you know, this is one of those things that's best for, for the USFL, best for the league. Um, and they bought in there. Um, it, it comes all the way back to, to Zach Woodfin, our, our director of player performance, who's navigating, you know, eight teams through the course of workouts during a, a game week with his assistant team. So, um, you know, that, that's been a huge thing that that some of these other leagues, you know, really haven't had that opportunity to do, um, you know, especially the league that this is coming from. When you talk about the spring league, you know, there was not that strength and conditioning program built into that. So that was one of the things that, that we wanted to make sure that we, number one, from an injury prevention standpoint, but but also from an increase in strength, explosive ability, all, all the different things that are going to come with that. So, you know, that was something that was important and then making them accountable to be there. Uh, hey, we, we've provided these assets for you. Now we're, we're asking you to take advantage of them. Uh, our training staff has been outstanding. Uh, make sure you're getting your, your treatments. Make sure you're taking care of your body. Uh, we, we've kind of put a lot of things in place for them that can help them stay in the NFL the next opportunity they have. Now you've got to be a pro and you've got to take advantage of that. And, and our staffs have done a good job. We've had a lot of roster change. And if guys are not here for the right reason, if guys be, become too time consuming with things away from football, then they're going to be released from the team. And, and so we've had a couple of, of really firm messages sent. And I, I think everybody understands, uh, you know, how valuable this opportunity is and, and they better embrace it. Who are some of those players that have stood out to you? Some of the names of guys that we may be seeing transition to the NFL. 
Um, I, I think right off the top, uh, you know, he's been he's been nicked up a little bit. I think Mark Thompson, running back for the Houston Gamblers, is is a unique player at six foot three, two thirty five. Um, but he's got some quicks. And the big thing about Mark is I've seen Mark become a better blocker this year. Uh, the one thing I'd like to see him do, he's not a start stop back. And sometimes his feet come to a stop. He's a big push the pile physical guy. I'd like to see him even on those zones, those inside outside zones, keep those feet moving, stay on your track. Don't stop your feet. You're not one of those little, you know, quick twitch guys. that's going to be able to go from start to stop and, and jump and move. Um, so I'd like to see him stay a little bit downhill, a little bit more on the move. I think Cavante Turpin, um, who had our first punt return for a touchdown last week is, is extremely dynamic. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that you watch him in our league and, and you can just see the way the NFL is trending. He's got that body type. He's got that that, you know, skill set that we see on the NFL teams as as a return guy, uh, as a bubble screen guy an underneath catch and run guy. Uh, so I think Cavante Turpin is one of those guys. Donald Payne is a, is a linebacker for Houston, um, you know, undersized. But when you put him on film and you watch him. He's one of those guys who's always around the football. He's making tackles. Uh, he's got two picks. He's got a pick six. Um, he's just one of those guys who who is a football player, and you got to get away from the measurables. And maybe he doesn't fit the NFL profile, but put his game film on and watch him play. Darius Victor is is just one of those guys who who takes something that looks like it's going to be a, a two yard gain, and all of a sudden you look up and it's second and three. Um, you know, just the ability to push the pile. He's not super explosive. He's not going to run away from everybody for 85 yard touchdowns. Uh, but he's one of those consistent guys that keeps you ahead of the chains. And, uh, but he does have the ability to break off a big run. He's got really good vision in the open field for a big guy. Uh, I, I think that he's one of our unique players. We've been impressed with our edge rushers. Chris Odom has done a real nice job. Um, uh, yeah, you go into our safety position. I think our safety's really started the year, you know, just really physical. Uh, we've seen that continue throughout the course of the season. So I think there's a number of guys there at our safety position uh, as well that should get some good looks from the NFL. So, um, you know, that, that's that's the most important thing to me. You know, people have asked me, you know, this is your third attempt here. Uh, you were with the Alliance, you were with the XFL, and now you're with the USFL. You know, what is it that keeps bringing you back to these leagues? And it's really, for me, it's it's changing the trajectory of a young man's life. And, and that's what this opportunity affords them. Um, again, getting back, not just to the NFL, but getting back and staying in the NFL. That That's where, you know, I kind of get my hook on it. And I've, I've seen it when I was in the Alliance uh, in San Antonio. Uh, we took Logan Woodside, who was a practice squad guy, got him up to the number two spot with the Tennessee Titans behind Ryan Tannehill. That's going to change his whole trajectory of his life. Uh, Donald Parham in Dallas with the Renegades uh, in the XFL. Now he's out with the, uh, with the LA Chargers, you know, doing some great stuff in the NFL, uh, you know, a kid from Stetson University that nobody heard of. So that's, that's my intrigue with this whole thing is I, I love this game. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I owe back to the game of football. Uh, I love being an ambassador for it. And one of the ways to do that is, is to help these young men find their why, why they're playing this game and then help them get back and stay in the NFL. Darrell, how much has that experience, you talk about the two other spring leagues that you were involved with, how much has that experience helped you figure out what works, what doesn't work, what you can bring into this league and what you can build off? Yeah, both uh, both of those other, you know, I think we're in a position, the alliance, uh, I thought the quality of football was outstanding. I thought Charlie Ebersol 
and Bill Polian did a really nice job. I stay in touch with Bill Polian and Charlie Ebersol to this day to pick their brains. Um, you know, if it wasn't for the financial uh, situation that we got ourselves into at the end, you know, I, I think that 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 league had a really good opportunity, you know, to 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 still be with us here today. Um, the XFL just ran into trouble with the pandemic. Um, you know, when Vince McMahon is kind of the lone guy writing checks and, uh, you know, we see the impact on sports a- across the entire globe. Um, you know, when when stadiums start to get shut down and, and sports leagues start to get canceled and events start to get canceled, you know, it was, it was going to be a daunting task for, for Vince McMahon and the WWE, you know, to stay in there and, and slug it out. So the pandemic kind of took down the second one with an impact on the finances. So there, there were good things in both of those leagues. And, and I bring those things and there were great lessons to learn in both of those leagues. And I tried to bring that as well to the USFL. So we're kind of blending, you know, the, the things that we learned that we felt were beneficial, the things that we learned that maybe hindered us a little bit, uh, steer clear of the second one, you know, emphasize the first one and, and let's build this thing on a really sound foundation moving forward because we've got great partners right now. Uh, you know, we've got Fox behind us, uh, you know, Fox and, and NBC distribute our games on television. When you talk about football, I, I don't think there's anything better than to have the two people or the two groups that do America's Game of the Week and Sunday Night Football. To me, those are the two big ones that people watch, that people talk about. And to have a, a relationship with both of those groups to distribute our game, I think it really sets us apart from any of the other two leagues uh, or any other league that's out there trying to form. How do you personally balance your duties at Fox and at, at the USFL? Uh, that'll be the challenge this fall. Um, you know, I've done it in the past. I built my San Antonio roster during the course of the season, uh, you know, 2018, 2019. Uh, I built my Dallas roster, you know, the course of the, the, the Fox season, you know, 2019, 2020. So I've done it before. It's, it's just being smart with your time, um, you, know, you know, allocating things. Uh, you, you give up some of your social life, um, you know, but for me, it, it, it has huge dividends at the end of that. Um, and then it's just uh, being on task all the way through. So this is going to be a little bit different because this is more at the league level instead of the team level. So, um, you know, I've, I've already had conversations with Eric Shanks about that. I, I want to continue to do my broadcasting with Fox. Um, you know, for me, it's a win-win, right? I, I still stay, you know, relevant. You know, people still see me on television for Fox. Uh, it maintains my connections with the NFL teams, my relationship with the NFL as a league. Uh, so I think it uh, it adds credibility to to the USFL when you've got somebody that's involved with the NFL and, and been in professional football for over two decades to be a part of your organization. And we've got a number of people within our USFL football family that have those credentials. So, you know, we've got a ton of guys in here that have long terms, uh, you know, with the NFL, uh, long-standing relationships with the NCAA at high level, you know, so those are all real big pluses for us when we look to move forward. Sustainability has been the biggest issue with these spring leagues over the years. What what have you seen, Daryl, that makes you confident that this time it can be sustained? Well, I, I think kind of the things that we talked about before, the alliance, it was financials and with the XFL was the pandemic. And, and hopefully, you know, we don't have to deal with either two of those, either one of those situations. You know, we've got a great partner with Fox behind us in the USFL uh, that's supporting us uh, with a big vision, you know, out multiple seasons. Um, you know, we, we don't have anything on the horizon from a health standpoint that looks to be a threat, uh, you know, that w- would shutter this one down. Um, so, I, I think, you know, last week for me was a, was a huge step. That was week nine. You know, the Alliance, we got to week eight. Uh, the XFL, we got to week five. You know, we, we're on, on uncharted territory right now 
uh, you know, over the last few attempts, you know, to create a spring football league on the professional level. Um, everybody's asking us, what about year two? What do we do in year two? And it's kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's also uncharted territory. So, you know, just bear with us, you know, we're already talking about it. We're working on it. Um, but, you know, in the last five years, as these leagues have popped up, nobody's really made it, you know, into that season two, when you talk about the big runs on these. So, um, there is some uncharted ground for us. We're excited about it. Uh, we know we're going to be better. And that's been, you know, one of the things that I've talked about to everybody. You know, we mentioned, uh, you know, from a football perspective in the USFL, you know, we were not going to play our best football week one. We want to be, be we want to play our best football week 10 this weekend as we go into our playoffs up in Canton. Uh, the same thing was for us in the front office. We knew we were going to have our, our best performance week one but grow and learn and be better every single day, every single week, you know, celebrate your small victories. And we got a lot of people here working long, working hard. Um, You know, that's been, that's been one of the really fun things is we've got a really good core group of people that want to see this be successful. Um, So we're, we're working hard. We're doing everything we possibly can. And I think we're, everybody's really, really excited where we are in YouTube because we're going to be able to take all those things that we learned here in year one and apply them moving forward. And there were lots of opportunities. We talked about it in the Alliance. You know, there was a, there was a really big meeting after week eight, uh, right before we closed up shop and, and we were on to year two and there were some great things discussed there. Uh, and I've always remembered that. So, you know, we are carrying on some of those things here for hopefully year two with the USFL. And before you get to that year two, obviously you got the playoffs and, and the championship in camp. And what are you, what are your expectations? What are you most excited about as you head into this postseason and the championship? Well, I think the interesting thing was going to be in our inaugural season, could we have an undefeated champion in the USFL, but uh, the Houston Gamblers put an end to that last week in week nine. So I, I think the teams that we were looking at that were maybe teams to watch out for going into the playoffs, um, you know, Birmingham undefeated. Uh, I think it's going to be great to see the, how they respond in, in week 10. The, the Philadelphia Stars uh, had come off of the highest point total we'd had all season long in, in week eight and struggled week nine. Uh, you know, where are they at right now? Uh, New Orleans has kind of had to slug it out all, all season long, and they just clinched last week against Tampa. You know, are they that team on the outside um, that, that is maybe, you know, been under the radar a little bit. Uh, the generals would just one loss, um, you know, finding a way to win games. It's, it's one of the things that we've watched during the course of this season is what has been the separation has been the teams that have gelled quickly and learned how to win as a team together, as opposed to the teams who have struggled to kind of gel as a team and have found ways to lose games. And that's one of the big things in, in, in the game of football. Uh, it's really, really hard to win a game. So you have to eliminate everything you possibly can that are going to cause you to lose. And as we watch those teams separate that became our playoff teams, they seem to figure that out a little bit sooner than the other ones. Because when you look at the Houston Gamblers and the Tampa Bay Bandits, I mean, those are some of the more talented teams from an individual standpoint in our league. But for some reason, it wasn't able to come together as a team and find ways to win games. You know, Houston, I think they lost three or four consecutive games on the very last play of the game. And the thing that that means a lot to me is to watch them come into work every Monday with a positive attitude, trying to get a victory that week. And, and they end up being the team that knocks off Birmingham from the undefeated season. So, you know, we're learning a lot about our guys. We're learning a lot about our teams. Uh, and so I, I'm really excited to take our group up to Canton. Um, and I, I think we've got the four teams that have separated themselves from everybody else. I think they've all got questions 
going into week 10 and how they're going to respond as we get to Canton. So I think that this is going to be, this is going to be a big week for those four teams. You know, they've clinched, everything's there. Um, now let's look back at week nine, because we did not play the type of football we've been playing for the last few weeks leading into that. How do we get that corrected before we go up to Canton? Lastly, Moose, I want to ask you about the NFL because a lot's transpired in the offseason. It's been pretty chaotic. It's been pretty wild. What got your attention the most? And I know you've been obviously very busy, but I'm sure you're keeping tabs. Uh, <laughs> probably not as much as I should. Um, uh, off the top of my head, uh, the one thing that I didn't like, I did not like the overtime rule change uh, with the Buffalo Kansas City game from last year. I'm, I'm just I, I like our overtime rule better. Um, we just keep making concessions. Um, and, and that's that's something that I struggle with a little bit. OK, each team has to possess the ball if the other team kicks a field goal. I, I was able to come to terms with that one. Um, now if the team goes down and scores a touchdown, that's it. Play better defense. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to get, you know, guaranteed a possession each time. Now we've kind of embraced that in, in our league where we do kind of that shootout style where we've got three series offense, defense, back and forth, and then we can go to sudden death. You know, that, that allows each team to have the the football, which I think is, you know, it's a valid point, but it's a team game. You know, if if you don't want to lose in overtime, don't let them score a touchdown. Um, so I, I had a little bit of trouble with that one, uh, but that's just me. I'm a little bit old school. Um, so from it, when you look at the landscape that, that's going on, I, I think the AJ Brown trade into Philadelphia was a big thing being a Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, you know, for me, I, I think, you know, Philadelphia got a lot better in the off season. Um, I think the giants are going to be interesting to see. Um, I think Washington, Washington is going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I am excited to see you know, how Cincinnati handles the success. Um, you know, I was a big guy last year, you know, when they took Jamar Chase, I, I, I probably, you know, Penny Sewell was kind of the guy that I was leaning towards. And, you know, we had them in the opener and actually had a conversation with the, with, with the team about, you know, the selection and the draft process. But when you look at a left tackle who could be kind of that cornerstone guy for, for 10 years and, and seeing what Dallas did with Tyron Smith and, and the impact that it had there at that position, if that is who Penny Sewell was, I just thought that that was a more valuable, uh, a more valuable player than than Jamar Chase as a receiver on the outside. But he ended up being incredibly dynamic and a game changer for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, I'm really excited to see what they do now in year two. Um, I'm, I'm not saying they snuck under the radar against anybody. Um, they were a good team. Uh, but but for me, I, I really want to see what they do this season. I want to see how they follow that up. So there's a couple of teams I'm, I'm watching you know, from that perspective, um, you know, everybody's talking about the AFC West. I think that's going to be great to watch through the course of the season, you know, bringing Russell Wilson into that, that division that's already loaded with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I think that that's going to be fun. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Green Bay does. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what Detroit does. I think the NFC North is going to be an interesting division just from this, the standpoint, do we start to see, you know, kind of a rollover, you know, is, is Green Bay going to start to come back to the pack um, you know, is Detroit in year two, uh, you know, w- with uh, with Dan, are they going to are they going to take that step uh, with Dan Campbell is is I, I like the way he's building it. I was really excited when they did the hire. Um, I, I liked a lot of the things he did last season. Now, as they start to add that talent, can they start to close the gap, you know, after being at the bottom of that division for a long time? And that really goes for everybody, you know, trying to catch up to the Green Bay Packers. It's amazing what they've done over the last couple of seasons. So. 
you know, from a big standpoint, I think there's a lot of cool things out there to watch. Um, you know, but but for me, I I, I kind of get caught up because of Dallas, you know, with the NFC East and probably follow that a little bit closer. Uh, a lot of change in Dallas, a lot of change. Um, and, and how do they how do they handle all that change? Um, you know, how is that offensive line going to perform that that team when they have played their best football has played their best football behind a very good offensive line. And there's a lot of transition in that offensive line over the last couple of seasons. And it, it seems to be it seems to be hurting them a little bit. Well, Daryl, hey, I enjoyed this conversation, man. Thank you so much, and best of wishes for the end of the season, the postseason championship, and year two for the USFL. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Located 25 minutes from Center City, Philadelphia, Cairn University is a biblical university centered on Christ and His Word. In any one of our 70-plus on-campus or online programs, you will receive an explicitly biblical and intentionally Christian education integrates your faith and work. Be taught and mentored by invested faculty. Participate in a dynamic campus life and grow in your faith as you prepare for what's next. Learn more about our undergrad and graduate programs at cairn.edu. That's C-A-I-R-N dot E-D-U. Time for some final thoughts. It's another week, and there's more Deshaun Watson news. He spoke to reporters this week for the first time since the Browns introduced him on March 25th following the trade. He maintained his innocence, and he vowed to clear his name. Now, 24 women have filed civil lawsuits accusing him of sexual misconduct. More lawsuits could be coming, as attorney Tony Busby indicated I know the league takes these allegations very seriously, and they are certainly aware of public opinion. Now, there's a process for discipline in place, but I would expect a severe penalty. That's it for this week. Thank you to Daryl Moose Johnston, and thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, check out my colleague, Ralph Russo, and his AP Top 25 college football podcast. Until next week, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing. Located 25 minutes from Center City, Philadelphia, Cairn University is a biblical university centered on Christ and His Word. In any one of our 70-plus on-campus or online programs, you will receive an explicitly biblical and intentionally Christian education that integrates your faith and work. Be taught and mentored by invested faculty. Participate in a dynamic campus life and grow in your faith as you prepare for what's next. Learn more about our undergrad and graduate programs at cairn.edu. That's C-A-I-R-N The AP Pro Football Podcast is presented by Cairn University.